this is Al Simon with Sandler Training. Welcome to the show. Simon says, let's talk business. Today we have two terrific guests. We have Johanna Ellis. Johanna or Joanna? Joanna. Joanna. I always want to say Johanna because I see the H there. Jo- Joanna Ellis, general manager at Atlanta Classic Cars, Mercedes-Benz. And also Mark Traeger, the uh, CEO of Cornerstone Media Group. So I know you're going to enjoy the day. Uh, this conversation, we should be really good about marketing and sales mostly today. And so uh, let's get started. So Joanna, welcome. Glad you're here. Thank you. Good morning. understand you got to get on an airplane later today. Lucky you. Yes, Delta and I have become very close lately. Yeah, and with a lot of us, actually. Mm-hmm. One of the problems of living in Atlanta, right? You don't have that many choices in airfare. However, we do get uh, direct flights to almost anywhere. So that's the trade-off. So, Joanna, as uh, general manager of Atlanta Classic Cars, Mercedes-Benz, I've got a few questions for you. See, if, uh, you can help us understand how you do business over there. I know you've been here a long time. I believe you just celebrated uh, your 40-year anniversary last year. Is that right? Yes, sir. We were founded in 1975. My grandfather actually uh, was given an open point by Mercedes-Benz in 1975. All right. So uh, what does it mean to you and your staff to have been here for 40 years now? Not you yourself, of course, because you're not even 40, but uh, yeah, okay. (laughs) I've been back in the store regularly for the last six years, and so representing the family, uh, I am third generation there. So we have a few members of our staff that have been with us several decades already. Have you? Um, So we're really honored to have that tradition. We have staff who come to us from other locations mm-hmm. and they really feel the family in our family business. And so we really wanted to celebrate 40 years, both with our customers and our staff. And, and we did with not just a party, uh, which was a lot of fun, um, but also just thanking our staff in several different ways, having fun in the dealership every single day. Yeah, I've been to your dealership a couple of times, maybe three or four times over the years, and I do feel a different feeling when I walk in. It is that family, very welcoming atmosphere, not the cold, stiff, hey, we're a car dealership atmosphere. How do you get to that way? Well, I think I learned a lot from my mom. Uh, Growing up, my mom worked six days a week and spent more time at work often than she did with me. And Mm. so... I I can testify on the other end of things um, that I know my staff spend more time with me at work than they do with their families. So we try to make it fun as well as productive. You know, uh, we are a six day a week business. Uh, It tends to be long hours. Uh, My service team specifically are there from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. So uh, sometimes it makes for a long day. So you've got to make it fun and you've got to make it enjoyable. They got to want to like to be there. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, happy staff mean happy customers. Very good. And I understand you have a lot of happy customers. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, also, recently, uh, Mercedes-Benz USA moved their national headquarters here. So how has that affected the way y'all do business around here? Well, it's funny you brought up Delta. We were talking about mm-hmm. direct flights. And one of the reasons MBUSA moved to Atlanta, actually, as mm-hmm. well as Porsche moved their national headquarters here, is because there is a direct flight over to Stuttgart to the homeland. Uh-huh. So uh, that's where they're both headquartered there in Germany. 
They are keeping us very busy. We have a lot of visitors these days from MBUSA, um, but more specifically, we are really honored out of the six dealerships in Atlanta, we have actually been chosen for the Retail Immersion Program. So every single one of the new hires with Mercedes-Benz USA comes through um, to experience what a dealership is like. Many of them have never worked in a dealership, so they get to see the back end of things and tour the shop. And so uh, once a month, at least, we get uh, between 20 and 30 new hires with MBUSA, and they get to come see what it's like on the ground every day in the retail world. Do you have to speak German? Uh, nine. <laughs> but it is, uh, my name Sehr is, uh, my name is Johanna in German, so uh, I do get used to answering to that as well. Do you? That's great. As a sales trainer, I often uh, uh, have questions from my clients about how to sell to different kinds of prospective clients. The one thing that's on everybody's mind today is how do you sell to this new generation, the millennials they're called, and you being a millennial, how would you suggest that, that we, as people who sell, uh, interact with someone like yourself, and uh, how do you see your uh, leadership style in, from the context, context of being a millennial? Okay, that's a lot of question. Uh, as far as training goes, um, we certainly try to, you know, not every salesperson is going to match up with every customer. Uh, and so you always have to be conscious of that. Mm. Um, a lot of the training that Mercedes-Benz has offered us, not specific towards the millennials, but just in general, is if someone comes in and says, I want to see this car, don't sit them down at your desk and tell them about the car. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to hear the statistics. They want to go touch it. And especially with us and our product, we have a super visual, beautiful car that you can, you know, demonstrate to a customer. But if they say they want to hear, which we have our tech heads and our motor heads that want to come in and hear about horsepower and torque and details like that, then you want to sit down and give them all that data. So that's a a certain cue that everyone can take, whether it's your service or, or product that, you know, that you're selling. But as far as millennials go, uh, I am the worst. Uh, don't leave me a voicemail. I will not respond. I will not listen to it. I I'm, I'm apologize, but it's just a habit and I'm trying to break it and it's not working. So even on my voicemail, it says, send me a text. Um, so we always ask, especially in the service department, if you want updates on your vehicle, you know, would you prefer text? Would you prefer phone call? Would you prefer an email so that we know what you want? Um, because some people find a text too personal. Some right. people don't check their email throughout the day, you know, right. so it's, it's really up to the person. Um, okay. And as far as millennials specifically, uh, we're still figuring it out like everybody else is. Um, I've seen some of the ads and some of the different products that are coming out about ordering your car online, which I just can't imagine someone being able to click a button and order a vehicle. Uh, it's like buying a home without seeing it and walking through it. You have to touch it, feel it, smell it, drive it first. Right. You know, it's interesting you said um, when they come in and they say, I want to see this car, keyword being see, you take them right out and show them the car. If they say, I want to hear about the horsepower of the engine and so on, then you sit them down and walk them through all that. That's actually a concept that we teach to our clients. And so it's good to hear someone like yourself talk about that so I know it really is real. And the other thing is it's okay to text people in business, huh? It really is? Um, I think asking permission first, um, okay. always. Um, you know, again, some people find that a personal way to communicate. So we do have a system that that we can um, 
uh, record all of our text messages and and make it more uh, visual so my staff, one, don't have to use their personal cell phones, and two, it's right there on their desk for them, but always ask permission first. That is great advice. That really helps me and my clients. Thank you very much. And speaking of selling in today's world, this has got to be something that's been on your mind for a long time. It certainly is on ours and our clients. There's this negative social stigma attached to selling. In fact, sometimes in our, in, in, when I first uh, do my first class with a new client, I'll show them a picture of a used car salesman, you know, with the bling and the big stubby cigar and the bad clothes, slick backed hair. You know, what's it going to take to get you into one of these things today, baby? So given that negative social stigma, how do you train your staff to be professional, to do it right? Well, hopefully they'll share these pictures they're taking. So you can see I don't have a gold chain or slick back hair on today. Uh, And no cigar. (laughs) No cigar. No, sir. Uh, You know, I grew up in a dealership. And uh, so I have seen that um, that sales technique, that cheesy sales guy. uh, And also I get approached um, on a daily basis um, from different opportunities for my business and for myself as an entrepreneur. So uh, I certainly um, can understand that uh, that perception. I really think that for us, we just try to offer a softer touch um, and to train that in our in our staff. You know, um, people equate used car salesmen to um, you know criminal attorneys, and we're at the bottom of the barrel, right? And as well as servicing is like. People like going to the dentist as much as they like getting their car <laughs> service. So we have the odds stacked against us. Yes, you do. So we certainly try to present um, an opportunity for people to come in and enjoy their experience. Um, God forbid you actually come in and and have a nice, friendly experience while your car is getting fixed. You know, it, it is maintenance. It is part of par par for the course. Um, so let's enjoy it. So as far as um, training on customer service and and that technique and sales, um, really it's creating an experience. You know, one of the things that Mercedes-Benz teaches us as well is, you know, most of the time when people are purchasing a car, it's celebrating a life event. So what are they there for? Now, maybe it might be celebrating a divorce, which is not always a happy experience. And sometimes it is. Um, But is it a brand new baby, a new job, a new life, you know, a a new move? Why are you in in the market for a new car? So, you know, I think maybe finding out what drives the person first rather than going for that sale, um, then you can approach them from a needs perspective rather than, than a want or a forced sale. Yes, very good. Again, this is Al Simon with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And this is Simon Says, Let's Talk Business with our guests, Mark Treger with Cornerstone Media Group and Joanna Ellis with Atlanta Classic Cars. And Joanna, uh, even though there is a negative social stigma attached to selling, I think most people, when they think, okay, I'm going to go to a Mercedes-Benz dealership, they do expect a different experience, don't they? Certainly. And of course, you've got uh, a great product. In fact, which one do you drive yourself? Uh, good question. Right now, um, in a 2016 C450, uh, it's our new AMG light car. So it uh, has a new, um, it's a six-cylinder engine, but puts out a lot of power and is a lot of fun. I've got my racing red seatbelts and red calipers, right. so lots of little detail. Um, and when people think AMG, it is our... Um, our Highline uh, racing line of vehicles. And uh, this car is offered at $60,000, which for that 
brand uh, portion of our brand uh, is actually considered quite affordable. Is it? AMG, yes. So AMG, I've often wondered about that. So AMG is the more powerful yes. engine yes. or other suspensions, different things like that? Uh, correct. So uh, the full AMG vehicle has the specific engine, suspension, exhaust, different brakes, all from beginning to end. Um, and the big thing about AMG is um, it's actually motto is uh, one engineer, one engine. So one engineer, um, it was always one man, one engine. I just found this out yesterday that we actually have two or three ladies in the factory there in a Falterbach in Germany now. So it's not no longer one man, which I love that <laughs> chicks rule. But, um, you, you know, it's from beginning to end, instead of in a factory where it goes down the line, this is one person and one engine building it from beginning to end. So oh, wow. it's a really special product. And that's why it comes mm. along with the price tag. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, you're getting Mark all excited because he's a gearhead. So Big we'll, time. we'll find yeah. out in a minute. <laughs> we love gearheads. <laughs> all right. And Mark, of course, is, is a marketing guru. So Settle down. Yeah, that's what people <laughs> tell me anyway. So, uh, Joanna, before we transition over to Mark, can you tell us how your organization uses marketing and how important it is to you uh, in, in terms of your success of your dealership? Well, I think I um, could certainly learn something from you gentlemen here today. But uh, what we've done so far, uh, a lot of it is involved, staying involved in the community. Um, so you can spend a lot of money, no offense, boys on radio and television and throwing it at the wall and see what comes back to you. Um, and we do, we do support radio. We actually just began a Pandora campaign that's gotten a lot of interesting mm. feedback for us. But a lot of what we do is trying to stay grassroots. So we support a lot of things in the community, asking our staff, you know, where are your children in school? Can we support their sports teams? You know, what charitable and um, community organizations can we support? Uh, but certainly we do a lot of internet. You know, we have over 15,000 visitors to our website every month, and we certainly aren't selling 15,000 Mercedes-Benz, unfortunately, yet every month. So, uh, you know, a lot of presence and inventory listings and staying online um, but we try to cover the gamut, a little bit of print, a little bit of radio, um, and a lot of, um, online digital presence. Excellent. So if, if any of our listeners would want to come to your dealership and, uh, and, and to either take a look at the cars or hear about the horsepower, how would they go about doing that? Uh, thank you for asking. Uh, of course you can visit us online at atlantaclassiccars.com. Uh, we are located in Duluth at 1705 Boggs Road. So it's right off 85 at 316 at the junction there. We are six days a week, Monday through Saturday. And my sales team would love to have you visit. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing this morning. Thank you. Mark. Yes. Mark's a longtime Sandler guy. He's a client of mine and I'm a client of his. So I'm excited to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So. Marketing guru. Actually, in your LinkedIn profile, you call yourself a professional cow tipper. What is that all about? <laughs> um, part of what we have to do in marketing is you have to differentiate yourself from everybody else. And we're a firm believer of creating a pattern interrupt, something that they don't expect. So when I call myself a, a professional cow tipper, most people think, well, you go out in the field and tip over cows in the middle of the night like you do in Pennsylvania or wherever it is. Basically, what we do is we go into a business and we touch the sacred cows. We challenge businesses as to why they're doing things. Why have they been doing it this way for 30 years? What if you move the cow five degrees and it 
generates 10 to 15% more sales? Or what if you looked at a different way of doing things? Now, I will warn you, it gets us into trouble um, because, you know, we've been doing it for 30 years this way. How dare you challenge that? So how do you, you know? get them comfortable with the idea of change? Well, well basically, you, you, you talk to them about what their long-term goal is, where they're headed. And once you understand where they're headed, then you begin to look at things like, a simple question we ask right in the beginning is, can you describe your business in 12 words or less? Can oh, they? Oh, absolutely they cannot. <laughs> <laughs> and, and where this came from is about 20 years ago, I sat down one day to talk to a customer or a potential customer about what we do. And at two hours later, you know, they still didn't understand what we did. So we've narrowed it down to four simple words. It's your brand in demand. Now, there's a lot that goes with that. But what we do is focus in on making sure that your brand is in demand all the time. Now, there's a lot that has to go with that. But to give you a funny story, we worked with a, a large commercial HVAC company. They said there's no way you can get it down to, to 12 words or less. So after a two-hour brainstorming session, uh, I said, I've got it to six words. He goes, there's no way. I said, yes, based on what you've just told me, your business is focused around you can work on any brand, any time, in any industry. And he goes, you nailed it. Wow. I, I said, now imagine when you go in to make a sales call, what that does. It short circuit the sales cycle significantly mm -hmm. because you don't have to ramble. You're focused in on what you're doing. You know, again, it's, it's going in and getting people to think differently. Right. You know, it's like, how can we create a pattern interrupt? Because I believe every business has a golden nugget, something that's unique about what they do, that if it's brought to the light of day, would make the competition nervous and have customers knocking on the front door, wanting to buy from them. What's that all about? You know, it's again, what are you doing differently? You know, it, it, it goes to the point, too, is, you know, prospects these days are so well educated with the Internet's. Joanna knows that when they walk into that dealership, they probably know more about that Mercedes than probably the salesman sometimes, just because that's the nature of what we've got access to. Right. But you know, the, the thing is, is how can we get them engaged? You know, it's not necessarily about features and benefits. You know, one of the mm -hmm. things we talk to our clients about is, have you thought about how do you speak to prospect or how you speak prospect? And they go, speak prospect i said yeah they, they don't want to know how great you are because they already know that they're making that assumption they want to don't want to know about features and benefits they've had a life-changing event they've had success that they, they want to come in and experience or emotionally or i've got a problem can you solve it that's all they care about can you solve it with what you offer so you're making marketing sound like psychology. Yeah, it is. But, but it's funny, in working with businesses sometimes, we find, uh, and this gets us into trouble again, you know, you, you look at their product line and you go, oh, so you built this product for you and you're trying to sell it to the public. What would happen? I'm just saying now, what would happen if you built a product that customers actually want and they go oh that would be great you know and it's just a matter of sitting down and 
like Joanna said, listening to the prospect, understanding what their needs are, and slowing down and just taking the time to understand what their needs are. And knowing where the message needs to go and what the right. message needs to sound like. For example, right. Joanna, you mentioned that you're advertising on Pandora. Now, I know there's a psychological aspect behind uh, your typical customer being a Pandora listener. It must be. Is that right? Certainly. Uh, you know, people uh, want what they want, and um, these days they can get it quite instantly. Um, and speaking of millennials, uh, I, I don't think, I, I don't know what the users on Pandora are, but I know it's a lot more than just the millennials. And people are getting what they want on demand almost instantly these days. And so that's uh, a perfect example of where we can target those people. And Mark's been working with our company to help us to understand what to say and where to say it. Right. And so is that also part of this pattern interrupt that you're well, talking well, about? Well, yeah, it, it, it's messaging. It's it's how you communicate that effectively. You, you know, it, what is it that you're doing different? I, I mean, I liked what Joanna said. She's building a sense of community because she's building a generational brand. She knows that if, if I buy a car from her now, my kids will buy one from her and their kids will buy one just because of that relationship. She understands it. So what I love about what she said is she's building a sense of community. You don't have to spend a whole lot of money on advertising. You've got a community. And I think that's what a lot of brands are trying to do these days. And that's what you're helping them do is right. sending a message. I mean, there are so many iconic brands that we all know and love that continue on through the generations. And so you don't want a one-hit wonder with a marketing message. That makes a lot of sense. Well, and it also too goes to the point, are you in it for the long-term benefit or the short-term gain? You know, and sometimes the long-term benefit is frustrating. I mean, most of our clients hate us after about a month because we're forcing them to think differently. Shaking up their world. Shaking up the world. Not that you would be that way at all. We've never had that experience with you, Al. But I'm just saying. I sense a little bit of sarcasm. I'm not oh, sure. Oh, no, 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 no. No, not from our recent meeting. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just saying it's it's getting them uncomfortable, you know, thinking just what if we tried it? But, you know, I, what I liked about what Joanna said, too, was that the, or Joanne said is. Joanna. Yeah, we'll I'm get sorry. it right. What Joanne between, said, Mark and I, <laughs> yeah, but, Joanne. <laughs> but what, what Joanne did, though, that, that got my attention is she's tracking and measuring it. She knows what's working and what's not. You know, if you don't try something and don't track and measure it, you don't know if it's working or not. And, and most businesses, you'd be shocked how many companies we go into that sit down and I ask, well, do you all have a marketing plan that you're executing? Well, we've heard about that. This is a $2 billion a year company in North Georgia. I sat down and asked them that. Well, we spend $4 million a year on marketing, and we know it's working. I said, how do you know? What, where are you spending it, and what's working? Well, we're going to get on that. I said, okay, good. You know, it's, it, We see that more and more. Yeah. And, and no matter what the budget is, if you don't know, you know what it's producing, why keep spending? Once again, this is Al Simon with Sandler Training, and our show is Simon Says, Let's Talk Business with our guest, Joanna Ellis, with Atlantic Classic Cars, 
and Mark Traeger with Cornerstone Media Group. And we've been talking an awful lot today about changing the pattern, pattern interrupt with Joanna, with your your staff, taking away that negative social stigma that, that is around car selling. And with Mark out there tipping cows and making <laughs> his prospects uncomfortable trying to shake up their world. So Mark, you and I have talked an awful lot about marketing and sales sure. and how they work together and how, and how uh, to make it work better. Right. And you shared many, many stories with me uh, as being a longtime Sandler uh, client sure. and uh, marketing guru. Uh, and one of my favorites, I can't help but ask you to share, uh, in our system of selling, we have a, a step called the budget step where right. we broach the subject of how much the investment would be right. if we were to keep going and eventually do business together. And uh, and you've got a unique way of, of broaching that subject. Would you share with us how you do that? Yeah, sure. No, no problem. And, and it comes back to that pattern interrupt. You know, after talking with a client for you know a good hour or two and understanding really what I call that third level pain, that emotion that's there, uh, you know, I always ask, well, have you all assigned a budget to this? And either they don't or they have a budget and won't share it with you. And so here's my pattern interrupt. I feel fairly confident we can keep it well under a million dollars, okay? <laughs> and, and most people's reaction is they laugh and go, oh, thank God, I only had 900000 to spend. I said, great, let me write up the contract and we'll get started now. But no, it, 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 gets, it gets people to chuckle, right? It gets, it gets people, them to chuckle. It takes away the tension. It takes yeah. away the tension. And, and then, you know, after talking with them, I got a good sense of what it's really going to cost to get it done. But I just want to see if they're going to be comfortable spending that amount. You know, it, it, you know let's say it's a $25,000 project. I'll, I'll say, look, if I was going to charge you $100,000, you'd probably kick me out right now, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, I would. Then they'll go, um, well, uh, or I'll say, well, even at 50, you'd be upset. <laughs> well, yeah, I couldn't do it. I said, well, what did you have in mind? We can't spend any more than $30,000. I said, wow. I said, well, I don't know if I can, but what if it was less than that? How would you feel? Well, <laughs> you'd be our hero. You know, so it, it's just catching them a little bit different in that regard so you can get to the real problem and then you can also too discover if they're a whistling gopher or not and a whistling gopher is oh a whistling gopher is somebody that you ask how much or will ask you how much do your services gopher and you tell them when they go boy that sure is expensive you mean you can't build a website for five hundred dollars no we've discontinued that product line <laughs> or or no, we can't, you know, and then you get them qualified really quick. You know, not everybody can afford a Mercedes or can afford, you know, your services. It's getting to the no quickly yes, and understanding it. Good so it's point. just, and it's just a pattern interrupt. It's just something different that they don't expect because like, you know, Joanna and you had mentioned salesmen are the evil people, evil. you know, That's right. and, and when you have empathy for what they're doing, and understand where they're at, it becomes a whole different kind of relationship, both short-term and long-term. Of course, there's another way of going about it, too, that, um, Joanna, you and I share the paradigm that we have premium products and services, and, and our clients do expect to pay a premium for it. One of the things that, that we do, in fact, I've got a colleague uh, who also does Sandler training uh, in another state, and, and I love the way Tim goes about it. He says to his prospects, he says, Mark, I'm the most expensive trainer 
in the Midwest. Isn't that cool? Yes. <laughs> and he's looking to see how they respond to that. Right. And, uh, and I think that your, your customers, too, there, there's, a, there's a, a little bit about, hey, look at how much I'm spending either on myself because I'm worth it or as a way of showing uh, what some kind of, of status in the community or, or whatever. Isn't that true? Uh, I think so. I think uh, many people, once they are able to purchase a Mercedes-Benz, there is mm-hmm. a feeling of, I've made it, you yes. know? Uh, I have arrived um, at, that, at that goal um, that I've looked for my whole life. Um, I, I do have to say on the other side of the coin, um, everything is becoming more and more expensive. Um, yes. Vehicles Absolutely. are becoming more and more expensive. Uh, my best friend, HS, uh, just bought a Honda Pilot and it was a $40,000 SUV. Um, oh so gosh. there are certainly, you know, all of the brands have a variety of product offerings. So, you know, not to plug our product line, but we do have vehicles that start at $30,000. So it's not, um, it shouldn't be an unattainable product. It's okay to plug your product line <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay with that. But on the other hand, uh, I get compared to... I'm not going to name names, but some of our competitors are, are seen as mainstream and, and, and there's a certain stigma that goes with sales training as well. And uh, so a lot of people are shocked when they hear what the investment would be to, to work with us and be our client. And so we have to be very mindful of how we broach that subject. And again, it's all about psychology, changing the pattern, as Mark said. Seems to be the uh, theme of the show today is changing the pattern, doing it differently than people expect. So anything else you want to add to that, Mark? Well, it, it goes back to, I think, to what you said, the expectation. What is the result going to be? You know, I, I've been in sales training for all my life. I've been in sales for 35 years. And when I got introduced to Sandler, I thought I was good because I went to Dale Carnegie and Tom Hopkins. And, man, I was all right. Not to mention names, of course. Not to mention any competitors. Yeah. But, yeah. you know. And then, you know, when I went to Sandler, I, I got a whole new exposure to what was there. It wasn't normal. And what happened is my income went up sixfold in the first six months. It was the hardest transition I've ever had to make when you try to talk people out of doing business with you or you get to the no as quickly as possible because in, in any business, salesmen are notorious for living on hopium and having happy years okay they love to hear oh you know come into the owner or the sales manager and go i've got a live one on the wire here and then you start asking questions and you realize real quick it's somebody that just might buy there's not enough pain there's not enough money you don't know who the decision maker is and then all of a sudden they're living on hopium and then you look at their prospect list and there's 25 hopiums and maybe one good prospect. Yes. You know, let's get to the no quickly because, you know, it's like what I loved about Sandler, too, that it probably set me free. I work on my behavior, not tracking dollar amounts. Because if you do the behavior, you're going to meet the numbers. Now, you, we, as salesmen, we don't have great days every day. It's just continue to do the behavior. You know, Which goes back to what you said a while ago. With your, with your clients, you start with what are their goals. Right. And then where they're headed. Exactly. Which is, you know, like, like the uh, seven habits of highly effective people. Right. Uh, first is 
begin with the end in mind. You know, you're talking about hopium. I was forwarded an email today by one of my clients. Who, it, was a, it was a prospecting email. And of course, prospecting right. is where marketing and sales uh, overlap. That's, that's, that's the, that, you know, if you had two circles that intersect, it would, that overlap would be what we would call prospecting. And he, he uh, forwarded it to me and he said, he said, this is pretty good, isn't it? And I looked at the letter and, and it was only three sentences. And uh, the word hope, I hope, was in there twice. That is not a good letter. Right. Uh, you know, when the salesperson says, I'm hoping that we can connect, sure. it makes it all about them and not about the prospect. And again, Joanna, you, well, you mentioned that, you know, you're making sure that the experience that the customer has when they walk uh, onto, onto your dealership is that, they, is that it's all about them. The experience is about them making them comfortable. And isn't that really what marketing is to make them comfortable having a conversation? Well, and that's what we're getting to is how can we become on equal business stature or how do we talk adult to adult? Everybody, you know, is either critical or, or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, sitting around the campfire and talking honestly and frankly about, you know, but being nurturing, helping mm-hmm. them make the right decision, being a trusted advisor long term. You know, you're you're going to buy a thirty thousand dollar Mercedes right now. Now, you know the the C four fifty AMG is something that's already got my attention. You know, with the seat belts and everything. But anyway, that's another story. She's pretty sure she'd keep it under a million dollars. I know she can. <laughs> <laughs> Only for you, though. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, she'll charge me extra, I know. But anyway. Because she had to endure you on this show today. So, <laughs> exactly. yeah, she deserves more. <laughs> exactly. But, but again, it goes back to just taking the time to build a relationship with somebody and slow down. Very good. Okay. If, I, if I could add, I, I, Please. I, I absolutely agree. I think so often people think of car salesmen as wanting to sell that car and you never see you again. You know, right. getting that sale done and I'm moving on to the next one. And, and for any business, it is that longevity, you know, whether it's generational or throughout the life right. of your business, you want to continue that relationship. And, and there's nothing worse than putting somebody in a marketing contract or a car or some agreement where they wake up the next day and go, oh my God, what have I done? Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm in the process of buying a Harley Davidson right now. I'm See, having he's it, a gearhead. Yeah, I'm, I'm having it custom built. I'm having it really tricked out. And the sales guy over at the dealership keeps calling me, no, it'd really be good if you got it in this month for me, you know? I said, oh, so you'd win a trip to Las Vegas, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And, and he goes, well, it, it would just be good. I said, well, I, I'm fortunate I can't. I'm not ready to do it quite yet, you know. And, and he's frustrated with me because I'm not moving as fast as he wants to. Yes, it's all about him. It's all about him. And, and it's okay. I'm still going to do business with him because he's been working with me for a long time. And I like the way that the dealership works. But that's not the point. It's just, you know. Are we going to build a long-term relationship together? Because I'll probably buy two or three more Harleys from him. You know, he just doesn't know that yet. So, and don't tell him either. No, of course not. I would never do that. Okay. Next time, stick with four wheels instead of two. Oh, nah, that's all right. There you go. There you go. Motorcycles are lucky. I love them. So, Mark, uh, if if any of our listeners would like to contact you at Cornerstone Media Group, how would they go about doing that? Best way to get a hold of me would to go to our website at csmediagroup.com. 
or call me at uh, 470-231-5000. I'm at extension 101. I'll say that again um, more slowly. Go ahead. Oh, I, I better slow down. Slow down. My, my phone number is 470-231-5000, and I'm at extension 101. Or CS Media. Or csmediagroup.com or mark at csmediagroup.com. Excellent. Okay. Well, this has been fun today. I love talking about marketing and sales and and, uh, value and customer uh, experience and certainly the pattern interrupt, which is probably the lesson for today. So once again, Al Simon with Sandler Training. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for being with us. And this was Simon Says, Let's Talk Business. (laughs) 